Well, good morning, Riverbend Church. Good to see you. Such a wonderful 11 a.m. crowd. And those of you who are joining us uh, through our stream, we welcome you as well. Wow, it's been an exciting time already this year, uh, starting off with 21 days of fasting and prayer and a combined service last weekend, uh, which was so wonderful. I had people coming to me and saying, wow, I didn't know we had that many people attending our church. It's because you just come to one service. You have to understand. There are people who come to another service and gave you a chance to see their wonderful faces. Amen? Wasn't it good to all be together, though? It's praise God. Looking forward to the the day when we will have a larger facility and we can enjoy that benefit every single week. Praise God. Well, listen, uh, we want to get right into the Word of God this morning. Let me just mention one thing about what is upcoming. Starting next Sunday, we begin a new series, message series, uh, on the I Am. So we're just calling it I Am. So as most of you know, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says seven different times, I am, I am, I am. So we're going to study the different things that He says, I am. And it's going to be practical, but it's going to be spiritual, and it's going to impart something to you maybe that you haven't seen before. Great revelation. Pastor Josh and I will be walking through those together during uh, the, uh, between, really between next week and Easter. We're going all the way right up to Easter. So that's going to be a wonderful time together. Uh, I want to do this before, before we um, pray and open up the Word of God this morning. Uh, Jaden, uh, do you mind standing up, brother? I just felt a stirring during worship just to say these uh, prophetic words over you right now. The Lord is just uh, was speaking to me earlier during worship for you that um, He has been building on your roots and He has been expanding you and you have the gift that God has given to you naturally he gave you um, a heart and a gift to influence and lead other people. And the Lord just wants you to know that uh, you've been walking at a kind of at a steady pace, but the Lord says that He has been shaping you and preparing you, even through life circumstances, situations, and stations, that God has been preparing you for what is to come. So do not be surprised, saith the Lord, when promotion comes your way, for I have been raising you up to influence others. And you will do it with the influence of salt that other people might know who I am. And I will give you the skills that you lack even now as you are being trained and as you're growing. For I have called you to be an influencer to others. So do not be afraid to raise your voice in confidence because you know who I am and you know what I've accomplished in your life and you will be one that will be quick to be a one a witness and one who testifies of the goodness of God from this day forward. For I am truly raising you up and you will soon be running the race, not just walking, not just marching, but running the race that is set before you, thus saith the Lord. Amen. Bless him today in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet for a moment with me? Take your Bibles in your hand, and if you don't have your Bible, to try to bring it next week, but you can all say this together with me. Say, this is my Bible, God's Holy Word. I believe it is completely true from beginning to end. It renews my mind 
It transforms my heart. And it directs my paths. And I choose not only to hear it, but to put it into practice. Amen? You believe that? Pray with me. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity this morning to receive of your word. Feed us, instruct us, inspire us, call us to gravitate towards your ways and the kingdom of God through the message this morning. We pray this in your mighty and powerful name. Everybody said amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor before you're seated and say, you look like you've lost 30 pounds. Turn, 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 turn. Amazing how that made everybody happy. Everybody's happy now. <laughs> Praise God. So this morning I want to share with you a message that I think will be impactful. And my interest really is to make this message both inspirational but also very practical. So let me just say this before I um, get rolling in it. Um, I want to talk to you today about dreams to destiny. Dreams to destiny. And knowing that next week starts this new message series, I was just really uh, reflective about what God wanted me to share today. And I probably have more to say than I've got time to say, but the Lord will help me do it. Um, one of the things that I have made a practice of doing over the years of, of ministry leadership is tuning my ear to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying broadly to the body of Christ. And uh, I do that a number of different ways. Certain people that I trust and listen to their, who have integrity and, and I trust their listening and their speaking. And uh, I've noticed a pattern uh, that's been developing over the past six months or so from prophets and apostles and gifted leaders. And the, the, the word that many of them are saying, this is the now Word of the Lord. You know what a now word of the Lord is? It's something God's saying present for right now for application. And the word is this, that it's time to dream again. Hurt repeatedly. And I was just thinking, and particularly during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I was reflecting a lot upon my dreaming and, and what my dreams are. And um, some of you know that you know I, in November I turned 70 years old, and uh, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to kick the bucket yet. Just so you know, all right. So God began to deal with me about refreshing my dream list, and so I just wanted today to talk to you about your dreams, and um, I think you you may know this already, but. Uh, there's a principle I learned a long time ago, and I think it's encapsulated well by Coach John Wooden, the, the Hall of Fame coach, basketball coach from UCLA. And Wooden said this, he said, don't give up on your dreams, or your dreams will give up on you. Don't give up on your dreams, or your dreams will give up on you. I've learned in life that nothing significant ever happens that's not connected to a dream. Lauren Cunningham, who's the founder of Youth with a Mission, which, by the way, is still to this day the largest missionary organization in the world in terms of the number of soldiers on the ground. 
Not, not in terms of money invested, but in terms of soldiers. The number of people operating under the Youth with a Mission banner started off as a youth mission sending organization, but is far bigger than that today. And I know 65-year-olds who join YWAM and decide to go do something for God. So I have great regard for Lauren Cunningham as a man of God and a man of vision. And he's written some wonderful books, and the organization is phenomenal. There's some of you in this room who have uh, participated, been a part of YWAM, and, and many of us that are engaged. Several of our missionaries are still uh, YWAM-oriented. But he said this at the early stage of the ministry of launching Youth with a Mission. He would look at some of the young people that God would send them to train and go through discipleship training, and he'd ask him, what is your vision? What is your dream? And they would tell him, and frequently he made this statement, and it became um, a commonly quoted, a quotable from Lauren Cunningham. He said, if you can accomplish your dream in your own resources, with your own ability and talents, then you're dreaming too small. What's his point? His point is a dream is not designed to make you feel good. Your dream, if it's a God-given dream, is something that you want to make an impact. You want to, you want to really make a difference, right? How many of you want to make a difference in life, right? I, I, I mean, if we're not going to make a difference, we can kick the bucket now. We can just kick the bucket now and go on home to be with Jesus. But God's leaving us here on this planet to make a difference. And to do that, you have to have a dream. And it needs to be what I call a God-sized dream. So today, is my purpose really is to stir you up inspire you regarding your dreams. I want to give an illustration of a story that I'm quite familiar with because of my background. So Carrie and I lived in a small town. I, I grew up in central Texas, and many of you hear that accent now in the background a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's a Texas accent. And uh, we've lived here in Virginia for over 30 years now, but um, we grew up in central Texas, both of us, and we lived actually in a small town, suburban town just north of Austin called Round Rock, Texas. Is that a hick sounding town or what? <laughs> Round Rock, Texas. You know what the truth is? There really is a town named that. It's now a pretty big city. And there really is a Round Rock there. There really is. You'd have to see it to believe it. You may have heard of Round Rock because many times if you have any interactions, business interactions with Dell computers, you'll notice that their headquarters is where? Round Rock, Texas. So let me just give you a little background about Michael Dell. Michael Dell grew up in Austin, Texas, went to high school, graduated from high school in 1983. He had he had figured out in high school that he had this passion and this interest in computers. Now, I've oftentimes tried to imagine what it would have been like in 1983 to have a passion for computers. But anyway, he did, and he always would, he would find computer parts, and he would make it where it was just kind of his hobby. He would take things apart, and they would put them back together, and he started building computers selling them out of his garage right when he was in high school and when he graduated from high school. And he would sell them. What he began to discover is he could sell them for about a quarter of the cost of, that most people would pay for a computer. And so this was his dream. 
His dream was to build and sell computers that were affordable to people all over the world. Well, you graduate from high school, and what do most parents want you to do? Go to college, right? And uh, clearly, I don't disparage that. It took me 30 years to get there. But anyway, that's another story. So Michael Dell's parents were like, you're going to college. It's not obvious. You're going to college. He said, well, I really don't want to go to college. I just want to build computers in my garage. And they said, no, you're going to college. So he enrolled at the University of Texas. He spent one year in the University of Texas, and he dropped out. How many of you say, glory to God, I'm not the only dropout? Amen. Huh? <laughs> Michael Dell dropped out of college after one year. And he decided that he wanted to put his dream and his passion to work. So he started with $1,000 that he had made. He started $1,000 and he began to build and sell computers. Three years later, he did a private placement offering stock that was invested by just a small group of some of his close friends. He was 22 years old at that time, and already they had achieved $150 million of sales every year. Now, i got to fast forward because there's a whole lot of stories in there. I happened to be from that area, and in uh, the churches that I pastored in that North, Tech, North Austin, Round Rock area, many of them were engineers in the early stages of Dell computers. And so I, I have a, a, a number of inside stories, but let's just bring it up to current. So as you're well aware, Dell Computers has become a leading um, computer technology company and is now currently, I, know, I don't know how old this number is, but it's pretty recent, worth $57 billion and has the leading market share in the U.S. I hardly go to any country around the world where I don't see Dell computers being used. The point is now people interview, and he's been on Inc. Magazine and Fortune Magazine and all kind of interviews. Michael Dell, obviously using his last name to, for the logo of his company. It's Dell Computers, but it was started by Michael Dell. And when people ask him, how did this happen? I mean, look, look, this is amazing. I mean, the, the, what you own and how this company's expanded and done all these amazing things, how did it happen? You know what his answer is? I had a dream. And the dream motivated me to do something that was different than others. And he said, and I paid a price, and today the result is Dell Computers. I followed my dream. How many of you realize that following a dream is not just something that Michael Dell does, but it's possible for any of us? I find that there are many Christians today that are stuck. I find that there are many Christians today who are in their status quo and haven't made much movement out of it. I find that there are a lot of Christians today, I'm talking to believers primarily today, but there are a lot of people today who are in a rut of life. They simply go through the motions every day, every week, get up, go to work, come home, 
do whatever your family business is, watch a basketball game, and then get up tomorrow, do the same thing again, over and over and over again, without any strong inner guidance of a dream for their life that will truly make a difference. It's really disappointing, isn't it? That so many, even born-again, spirit-filled Christians, who if you ask them, well, what is your dream? What's the dream in your heart? They can't tell you. So I want to go back to the Word of God, and I want to propose to you and posit to you today that we live in a day where God is wanting to speak to people more than ever through visions and dreams. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. I've got it on the screen. You can turn to it in your Bibles. Uh, we're going we're gonna to start in verse 16. I think I have on there for, verse, starting at verse 14. But for the sake of time, I'll just read verse 16 through verse 21. Let me give you the context. So in Acts chapter 2 begins, out, begins with uh, what is referred to as Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. It was a feast day. But it has since the word Pentecost has now been associated primarily. You say the word Pentecost to someone, they think that you're a part of a, a denomination. I want you to know Pentecost is not a denomination, it is an experience. And the context was God put 120 people in a room for 10 days, told them to stay there and wait for 10 days. They, they waited for a promise that they knew was going to come down from heaven for them. Sure enough, in 10 days, they were in unity. How many of y'all know that's a miracle? It's a greater miracle than the gift of tongues. That for 120 people to get in unity with one another is a great miracle. Amen. They're in unity. They're praying in, in unity together. And God poured his spirit out from heaven into that room, into that upper room. And the Bible says the whole room was filled with the spirit. And then the 120 who were in the room were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they had gifts, spiritual manifestations like speaking in languages that they had never learned before. All right? So at the close of that, one of those who was in the 120 was named Peter, Simon Peter. And now we're going to pick it up where Peter is going to stand up and start preaching. Now, that was a new experience for Peter. But now the Holy Spirit is upon him. and He was already a leader, but now he's becoming a preacher. Let's read exactly what it says. So he stands up and he starts to preach. In that context, people are there because of the festival from countries all over the world, and they think these people who came out of this room are nuts, crazies, drunk at the wrong time of day. All right? So this is what Peter says. No, what they were asking, what does this mean? And, and he said, no, what you see today was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And this was his prophecy. Now he quotes Joel chapter 2. And it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Everybody say visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Everybody say dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And then skip down to verse 21. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
What's the objective of all the supernatural things that God does? He wants, to, he wants people to be saved. He wants people who are lost to be saved. Can you say amen to that? He is more interested in people getting saved than he is you speaking in tongues. He wants to use the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Spirit to speak to his people today. And the prophecy that is being quoted is quoted in a New Testament construct. And what it says is, God says, I want to speak through visions and dreams. Now, the moment that someone reads about dreams, they think that the dream, a dream is only a dream if it happens between 10 o'clock and 6 a.m. And if you've already nodded off, that that's a dream. Granted, those are dreams. And we have, as we'll see in a moment, the Bible is full of dreamers and dreams. But I want you to expand your understanding of visions and dreams. And here it says young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams. The bottom, the lesson that is being conveyed here is God is saying through this prophetic word hundreds of years before the day of Pentecost, he is saying the day is coming. I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh, men, Women, white, black, yellow, all colors, all cultures, all flesh. I'm going to pour my spirit out. And then he says, and some things are going to happen as a result of that. One is he said, people are going to see visions and they're going to dream dreams. I know that that includes having a vision that's like a supernatural manifestation. And I know it includes having a dream. How many of y'all dream a lot? At night, I'm talking about at night. How many of y'all dream a lot? How many of you rarely have dreams that you think are consequential? How many of you have bad dreams? Oh, never, we won't go there. So this is saying more than just night dreams and night visions. I believe God is saying, this is how I want to speak. I speak to my people through help, using your, your intuitive imagination. I want to use how you're built, and I want to speak to you through visions and dreams. Listen, friends, it is time that we learn to dream again. Our dreams have been lost. They've been abandoned. They've been faltered. They've been false. We have given up on our dreams. And I believe what God is wanting to say to us today is it's time to dream again. Now, a lot of people would immediately say, well, what, why, why should we pay attention to dreaming? Why dream? What's, what's the benefit of dreaming? Well, first of all, uh, I, I'm convinced that without a dream, really nothing important ever really takes place. Did you know that when you look at beautiful buildings and beautiful architecture, you look at the Golden Gate Bridge, you look at the Empire State Building, you look at the Chrysler Building, you look at uh, Pastor Josh and I just got from London and I was showing him some of the cool buildings downtown central London. Do you know that every one of those structures began with a dream? Somebody had a dream before it became a reality, because, before it was manifested in the flesh. Dreams are critically important. Dreams are also really important, as Rick Warren likes to say. We are most like God when we are dreaming. Why? Because God's a creative God. And we are made in the image of God. God made you and me to be creative. He created us to be dreamers. The problem is life, my opinion, Life has knocked it out of most of us. Life has robbed us just living 
just normal living, in many of our cases, it has literally robbed us and knocked that creative functioning, that dreamer part, knocked it out of us. I really believe that you're not truly living right if you're not dreaming dreams. Everything worthwhile starts with a dream. So I ask you today, what about you? Are there dreams, unfulfilled dreams, that are still in your heart? Are they still fresh or are they stale? When was the last time that you refreshed your dream list? I want to encourage you today. Let's remember the famous words of Martin Luther King, as particularly since we're in Black History Month, but we all know the famous I have a dream speech, right? You may not know a quotation that followed that. Martin Luther King was known to have said this. Tell me your dream, and I will tell you your future. In other words, there's a connection between your dream and your future. If it's not a dream, it probably will never show up in your future. Some people have very lackluster futures in front of them, and the reason is because... They haven't dreamt much. So let's just remind ourselves again, and I don't have time to spend here, but remind ourselves that it's biblical to dream. Not only do we have the prophetic challenge there, and we're in Acts chapter 2 and Joel chapter 2, but we know that there's many dreams. Actually, there's 21 really important dreams that we have account of in the Scriptures. Old and New Testament. Uh, just as a reminder, Abraham dreamed and God renewed the, uh, spoke to him about the covenant of his descendants. We know, that, uh, we know that Daniel in the Old Testament was a dreamer. He's actually more of an interpreter of dreams than he was a dreamer, but he also dreamed a famous dream called 70 Weeks, and it has a, a real theological connection to understanding the end times. We know that the famous, most famous dreamer probably in the Bible is who? Joseph, that's exactly right. In the Old Testament, Genesis 37, and later in Genesis 41, we see young Joseph as a young man. He had a dream. God gave him a dream. In fact, it was so well, he, he spoke about it so much to his brothers, they got jealous of him, and they actually saw him in Shechem one chapter and saw him coming up the road, and they said, oh, look, here comes the dreamer. He actually was, his nickname was Dreamer. You got to be careful who you tell your dreams to, though. He almost got killed because of his dream. But later he persevered. God shaped his character to the point that the dream was fulfilled in Joseph's life. Again, Solomon had a dream. Jacob had a dream. Y'all remember Jacob's dream? He saw what? Saw a ladder from heaven to earth, angels uh, ascending and descending. We have Joseph in the New Testament, Jesus' father, having a, uh, seen an angel in a dream who gave him a warning. We saw the Magi that actually had a warning in a dream of, to avoid, uh, avoid Herod on their way to Bethlehem. We, we even have a story of Pontius Pilate's wife who had a dream when Jesus was standing at trial and his wife was warned for Pilate not to make any judgment calls about Jesus because he was innocent. It's amazing what dreams can do. How little effort we put into dreaming. Now again, I'm speaking in a broader reference to dreams. Before I get to some practical stuff, 
Let me, let me just tell you a couple things that I think dreams will, dreaming will do for you. All right, fair enough. I don't have these on the screen, but they're true. What, what, what would dreaming, like I'm talking about today, what would it do for you and for others? First of all, dr dreams help to provide you direction. I know a lot of people that have absolutely no clue where they're going. They, have a, they, they don't know where they're driving. It drives Carrie crazy when we hop in the car and we're going to go somewhere. And she said, well, where are we going? I said, I don't know. I'll figure it out on the way. <laughs> Can y'all pray for our marriage? Amen. <laughs> but dreams, dreams in the heart will give you direction on what to do. They reveal things that are beyond you. Dreams also provide focus. They allow you to focus insights about yourself and how you want to make a difference in the world, what you want to do for Jesus. Dreams will provide motivation, inspiration and motivation. There was a, there was a British historian named Arnold Toynbee who once wrote this. He said, the greatest problem we have in the world today and in society today, and this is a long time ago when he said it, is the problem of apathy. Complacency, apathy, people not caring. Now, it's good that we don't have any apathy in America, isn't it? Just Britain. You know. He went on to say this. He said, and there's just one good antidote for apathy. A dream that will take your imagination by storm. Dreams will motivate. They'll create momentum in your life. Some of you are stuck. You need a fresh dream. Some of you are stuck because your dreams have gotten stale. Some of you have given up on your dreams and they sunk to the bottom of the river and you thought they could never be recovered, just like the axe head with the prophet and the sons of the prophet. That axe head came flying off, sunk to the bottom of the river. The prophet allowed God to do a miracle and he raised that iron head from the bottom. Do you know that God is able to raise your dream up even though you thought it was lost for good? He's able to restore lost dreams. Is God a God of restoration or not? Yes, he is. Dreams are critical. They're important. They make a difference. And those of you who are living without an activated dream, frankly, I feel sorry for you because you could do more and be better and make your life count for more for Jesus and the kingdom if you would just dream. Now, let me just say this before I get really practical here with you. Dreams are free. Like, I got your attention now. The moment you say something's free. Oh, it's free. Dreams are free. Listen to me. I'm going to finish the statement. Dreams are free, but the journey is not. Yeah, There's one thing I've learned is I've pursued dreams for a long time. Frankly, I've given up on some. I've lost some. I felt cheated out of some. But I found that the journey cost you something. Michael Dell's journey, he had a dream, but the journey cost him. Some of you are like, well, I wish it cost me like it did Michael Dell. But the point of the matter is that the journey is not free. It will cost you. So let me, if I may, here's what I'd like to do. I want to give you three 
practical steps that are just purely my life observation. All right? And you could probably come up with a better list. I have a longer list, but I have only time to share three with you. All right, so I'm going to give you three steps to really doing something with your dream. Um, so just, just remember that great ideas, dreams, and visions go nowhere without a plan. If you, uh, anybody can, all you need to do to have a dream is take a shower. Okay? I, I hear people say, oh, I was in the shower last night and I had a drink. The question is, what are you going to do with it? So you got to apply a plan to it. So let me give you three parts of what a plan might include, all right? I think these are critical, and these are, again, observational. Can I connect scriptures to it? Yes, but for the sake of brevity today, I'll just mention two. Number one, it starts with a decision. Everything in life, you never, ever will do anything without making a choice and making a decision. Decisions usually involve a choice. But a decision is what? A decision is the activation of your will. God's given to you a will on the inside. It's a will that makes choices, sometimes right, sometimes wrong. But God's given you a free will to make those choices. If you, God puts a dream, I'll talk to you about how to get a dream in just a moment. God gives you a dream, now what are you going to do with it? First of all, make a decision. Uh, making a decision is like uh, or let me reverse it. Not making a decision is like sitting in your car or your truck and keeping the transmission in park. You just sit there. Some of you have been sitting there in park for a long time. Neutral, park, the same. Because you ain't going anywhere. Am I right? A decision is when you take it out of neutral and you put it into drive. Now something can happen. Now there's actual movement. Deuteronomy 30 talks about choose for yourself this day who you're going to serve. You're going to choose life or you're going to choose death. Got to make a choice. Life is full of decisions. Some people, I know some people that are literally so bound up with challenges and wounds and trauma and all kinds of things, they can't even make decisions. They're so stuck, they can't even make a, a decision to get activated. Listen, you've got to be activated to go anywhere. Number two, after a decision is made, number two is... Discipline. You're going to love this one, huh? Some of you are like, that's my favorite word, discipline. Yeah. You can make a decision, and if you never add discipline to it, you are likely not to fulfill your dream. Discipline is the hard work that is the key to mastering things in your life, but also it's the key to achieving the dream. In between the decision to, to participate in the triathlon, oh, God help me, the decision to do that and completing it across the finish line, what's in between there? A lot of work, a lot of training. It's the discipline stage. And that's the last stage we ever want anything to do with, right? 
But it's the hardest stage, but it is integral, and it is important to understand that you will never achieve the dream, you'll never actually experience the benefit of the dream if you don't discipline. Perhaps there is no other skill as important as that to see the dream actually fulfilled. It begins with the decision to say yes to God, yes to the dream, get yourself out of park, but then you have to learn discipline. And discipline is more than what an athlete does to get ready for a race. It's more than a business leader has to do in order to develop a business plan and stick with it. It's more than that. As Christians, it applies to any area, any endeavor, any pursuit of a dream, it will require discipline. It's a discipline to say no what you need to say no to, yes what you need to say yes to, it's a discipline to, 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 to subject your carnal nature to the Spirit of God. It's a decision to, to do the right thing at the right time. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, someone's frequently asked me, so what do you have the greatest challenge? What, what has the last couple of decades, you know, as you're older than I am, you've got a lot of decades you can talk about. So the, the last couple of decades, what's been the, most, the greatest lesson and challenge for you? I said learning to say no. Protecting boundaries and margins and learning to say no. That's last 20 years. But I've learned it takes discipline. Because there's a part of me, when my sister asks something, I, there's a part of me that naturally wants to say, yes, of course. I want to be a yes person. Anybody else wired like that? I, I'm, I want to be a yes person. But I've learned if I say yes too much, when God's not saying Yes, I get in trouble. I'm sure none of you can relate to that, but I get, I get myself into trouble so quick. So the discipline has been discipline myself to hear from God, get a witness from the Holy Spirit before I say yes to anything. And my default, actually now, my default is no, but I'm ready for God to change it. It's the only way I can stay out of trouble. takes discipline. It applies to so many areas of life, but I'm just trying to apply it to the, to the operational, the operationalizing your dream. All right, lastly, number three, again, I, there's a lot more I could say. Number three is important. It's determination. There are three Ds. You can't forget it, right? Determination. Determination is that place that you come to because you will, if, if you make the decision to go with God's dream, whatever that might be, then you add discipline to it. And by the way, the discipline phase is a whole lot longer than the decision phase. You go through the discipline, there'll come a point before you cross the finish line and you see what you dreamt, you will need determination. Determination is an activation of your will, but it is an intensified one that allows you, even though you're tired, you're weary, you've been running in too long, it's your ability to say yes to God and to persevere. Even the scripture in, in, in Hebrews tells us what? That, that you're to run the race that he has set out before us with perseverance. Leif preached on that last Sunday night. With perseverance. Perseverance means, basically, interpretation of the Greek word for endurance or perseverance means no giving up. No giving up allowed, that there's no give up in you. 
And that endurance means you shoulder up under it. You will face a headwind. You will face adversity. You will face problems. But determination gets you across the finish line. Paul says in Philippians 3, you know the scripture well. He said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Then later he says in verse 13, he says, forgetting what's behind and straining. That word straining forward, the word there in the original language means everything within you, this intense force of determination. He does all of that for what reason? I press on toward the goal to win the prize. We learn in 1 Corinthians 9 that Paul's talking about the prize, and that's when he talks about discipline. He said, every runner runs the race, but not everybody runs to win. How do you know whether or not someone is running to win? If they're willing to discipline themselves before they run. That's someone who wants to win. You add to that discipline, determination, and that'll give you, get you over the finish line. So those are three personal observations, and I think they'll work for you. Now, do you mind if I go biblical on you here the last five minutes? Habakkuk. When was the last time you spent time in Habakkuk, right? Habakkuk. I didn't make that up. It's actually in the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. We'll look at the first three verses. And I want you to see from this that God actually gives us, from this little prophet Habakkuk, he gives us five action steps for the execution and achievement of a dream. It's going to tell us how to get a dream. It's going to tell us what to do with it. All right, so I'll cover these very quickly. So let me read to you this text. Look at it very carefully as I'm reading, and then I'll give you the five action steps. Number one, it starts in verse one. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There, where? At the watchtower, at the guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says. That's very interesting that it says, I'll wait to see what the Lord says. He didn't say hear. I'll wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Any of y'all ever, anybody here ever complained to the Lord? Listen, he already knows what you're thinking about it. You may as well just go ahead and tell him. So Lord, I'm not happy with how things have been going lately. I've done that many times. Lord, I don't like this. And then by the time we're done, God's dealt with me, right? But he already knows what you're complaining about anyway. So here the prophet's saying, I, I've shared my complaint. I shared my issues with him, right? And he says, I, I, I'm, I need God to answer my complaint. And then the Lord, verse 2, and then the Lord said to me, now this is God speaking to this prophet who is now in this place called the watchtower, the guard post. And he's, he's listening, he's waiting, and then God speaks. This is what he says. Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision, 
So he's given him a dream. He's given him a vision. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end. And it will be fulfilled. But if it seems slow in its coming, any of y'all have been there? It feels like, will this ever come? Is it ever going to be full? If it seems slow in its coming, do what? Wait patiently. We don't like that. Wait patiently. How many of y'all figured out that when you try to raise your children right, the hardest thing for those kids is to learn what? To wait. Same thing for spiritual children too. To wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. In other words, it's on God's timetable, not your timetable. All right, y'all ready for five things from there real quick? All right, drawing it directly from that text. Number one, I, I'm giving different language, but it's, it's good. Number one, get along with God. Get away from the noise. The watchtower was not a congregational gathering. The watchtower and the guard post were private places. It was there for assignment. I'm on assignment. I'm on my watch time. Someone's got to be on watch for the enemy, for locusts, for all kinds of stuff. So my assignment was, is 2 to 3 a.m. I'm here in the watchtower. So what's the lesson we learned from that? If you really want to get God's dream for your life and much less pursue it, you've got to find how to get along with God. Which means, how do I eliminate the noise? How many know that there's a lot of noise today in our lives? Oh, it's, fran it, it, it's frenetic. It, it's crazy, the amount of noise. Just be quiet. Sometimes just listen how much noise there is around. You've got to find a way to get alone with God, whatever that takes, because that's when God can speak. Number two, look for the dream. And I actually want to say it this way. Uh, look for a dream that sometimes you see it with your eyes or sometimes you hear it with your ears. You want to look for the dream. Look for what God is saying. We go right back up there and it said, he said, I'm there. I, I will wait to see what the Lord says. So in other words, he's postured to receive. So be on the lookout for what God's dream is that you're to receive, right? Number three, third step is what? Write it down. Shocking how many Christians say that they have dreams and never write them down. There was a movie about 15 years ago, and it's always risky for a preacher to mention a movie. Because you'll think that I'm recommending the movie to you. I'm not. It's got some shady things in it. But there was a movie about 15 years ago, called The Bucket List. Okay, Two well-known actors. Basically, the story was two guys um, find out they're sharing a hospital room. They both find out that they're dying of lung cancer. One was a wealthy billionaire, and the other guy was just a middle-of-the-road mechanic or something. I don't remember. And uh, they begin to talk about, oh, we both have about a year to live. What are we going to do? And one of the guys says, well, I've got a bucket list. So what's a bucket list? Well, a bucket list is a list of things that I want to do. It's always been that's my 
desire to do these things before I kick the bucket. Now they just got news. They're kicking the bucket. So the billionaire said, well, what, what, why don't you go ahead and do those things? He said, well, they're, they're all, you know, I mean, I want to jump out of an airplane. I want to, you know, go to Mount Everest, all these lists of things that he want to do. And most of them cost money, and he didn't have any money for it. So the billionaire partners with him. He said, look, let, let's do your list. Let's do that list together. I'll pay for it. I got money to burn. Let's pay. Let's do it. And they began the journey, the adventure of doing the list, going through the list, and they check them off. The more the important part of the story is that by the end of their life, they learned an important lesson. That none of the things that were on the bucket list, they were all material things, adventure things. None of them brought real fulfillment. And really mattered once it was done. And they realized that the things that really mattered were relationship and friendship. Getting relationships right that weren't right. And that's basically the moral of the story. I remember when I first saw that movie and I thought to myself, I have a list, but I'm not sure I ever called it a bucket list. But the older you get, the more willing you are to call it a bucket list. <laughs> so I just reframed it as a bucket list. And I had things on that list. Some of them were just purely personal. And most of them, though, were uh, somehow connected to my calling. So I've been, God called me from the time that I was a young man. When I was a teenager, God called me. So most of my life, when, when Carrie and I got married, she knew what she was getting involved with. She knew. I told her. And you can ask her how we got engaged. You can go talk to her sometime about it. And the way we got engaged is I asked her if she wanted to join my adventure. No, right, care, right? Just y'all all looking there like. The point was, I've known from the time I was called by God it was going to be an adventure. Still adventurous. But I have found that over life, now there are many things on that list that have been checked. But I particularly here recently, I felt stirred during prayer and fasting to review and re-up my bucket list. So I'm 70 now, and I don't intend to kick the bucket tomorrow, all right? And I fully intend to refire and reallocate my time, and I want to see some of those things in some of your life. I wonder what he's got on his bucket list. I'm not going to go through my bucket list, but I'll just tell you a couple of them. I want to see a hundred churches that I'm responsible for getting planted in the next 10 years. A thousand young people in young, younger generations that I want to see developed into ministry leaders around the world. I got other things on my list. So I got a lot of work to do. But the point is, it doesn't do any good if I don't what? Write it down. So here's an easy step for some of you. If you already feel like you know from God what a dream is, he's put in your heart. Make it a God-sized dream. Don't do something that you can just do. Make it a God-sized, God-given dream. And by the way, check it out with other people to make sure you're not spending your time and life doing stupid things. <laughs> Sorry, that's just me. Write it down. Number four, rise up and act. It says, write it plainly on the tablets so a runner can carry the message to others. Yeah. There's got to be running 
after you write it down, then you can run with it. What is that? Someone's got to get up off there and start running with the vision, with the dream. And lastly, number five, never give up on your dream. Never quit on your dream. Even in verse three, this vision is for a future time. Dreams are not designed to be accomplished in 24 hours. This is for the future. This is for a future time. It describes something's going to happen a long time from now. It's going to be fulfilled. But watch what the Lord says. And it's going to probably look slow to you. Y'all, I'm in agreement with that. Said it's going to feel slow and coming. But what? Wait patiently. Perseverance. Endurance. Wait patiently. For it will surely take place and it won't be delayed. In other words, it will happen on God's timetable not yours. I'm going to ask you to respond to this message. I want the prayer teams to come forward. As I'm closing with my prayer, then Michael will dismiss you in just a second. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different, though. If you're here and you realize that your dream has either been lost or gotten stale, and you need it renewed and refreshed, I want you to stand to your feet. If you're here and you're like, Pastor, I don't have a clue. You know, I could sit here all day and think it. I probably wouldn't know what. what. But you want God to give you his dream for whether whether you're young, middle-aged, or old. You want God to do that, then you stand up too. By the way, there's some of you that are over 60 that have thought to yourself, you've received the lie of the enemy that said you're done. There's nothing else for you to run for. There's nothing else for you to do. You've done it. That's all. It's all in the past. And God's got something fresh for you, but you have to be willing to receive it. You stand up to Anybody else that says, Pastor, pray for me, because my dream, that phase of my life is not being activated, and I'm not running with it for whatever reason it may be. You stand up, and I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you that you're the author of visions and dreams. And we are indeed living in the last days. And I believe, God, that you want to more than ever before cause us to see visions and dream dreams. Dreams that will take our imaginations by storm. Dreams that are meaningful from your perspective. Dreams that focus on the needs of others. The dreams that will use our gifts and talents that you've deposited in us to fulfill kingdom purposes. God, plant new dreams as we wait upon you and as we find that quiet moment in place to hear from you. God, give us the discipline we need to write it down and to run with it. God, I pray that whether it be for someone's company or whether it be for their, their, their future. I'm praying for 18-year-olds and 20-year-olds and 25-year-olds today that you'll plant something so deep in their heart that they'll spend the rest of their days running after it to really live, to make a difference in this world. God, I pray that you would honor our decisions and our discipline and our determination. We pray this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. 
Amen. If you need personal prayer, everyone stand. If you need personal prayer intercession this morning, our prayer teams are here at the front. They're available to pray for you. Michael's going to release you. God bless you. We'll see you later this week. Church, I bless you with the courage and determination to get alone with God and pray for his dream. And I bless you with the joy and the peace that overflows from your heart when you trust in him. That his Holy Spirit would bring hope into your heart and that would overflow into your life as you lean into him to follow the dream and the vision that he's cast for you and your walk with him. Be blessed as you came. You are blessed now as you go. Have a great week.